Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For thousands of years, human beings have wondered about entering the afterlife. Do we climb a golden staircase or walk towards a light? Is it a vast, expansive paradise or just an endless, meaningless void? Turns out it's none of those things. It's just me, waiting with my clipboard, ready to collect three questions for God. This is God Only Knows, a podcast that kills its guests before they even get to say a word, only to meet them as they step out of the eternal elevator and submit their three questions to God, whoever or whatever he, she or it may be to them. Joining me straight out of the eternal elevator is Hugh Dennis. Hello, Hugh. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well, thank I'm you. How are you? by the eternal elevator. Oh, well, that's how you how get here. How does that work? Who maintains that? Uh, Otis. Otis, Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do the whole thing. Do you think they'd be like, want to be associated with the elevators to heaven? I suppose they would. I think they want to be associated with every elevator. I think that's how it works. Me it's got to my... go down as well as up, though. Does yeah, it, it does, does, yeah. Does it serve the other place? Uh, uh, oh. Is it heat resistant? The, the Otis elevator? Yeah. I don't know. Is there another place? Um, well, I would have thought the belief in one probably means you have to believe in the other, doesn't it? Does anybody think Does anybody think there is only heaven? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in either of them, actually. But anyway, there you go. Okay, so while we're on it, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, uh, do you think about God much? Uh, a bit. Well, my, you know, my dad was, is, is a bishop, so I kind of grew up in quite a religious household mm. although not it was never forced on me i didn't i went to weirdly i got sent to the only uh avowedly atheist school in uh, england at that point really for my for secondary school so i never had any religious education at all but it's kind of i spent quite a lot of time thinking about god because my dad <laughs> most of the books in his study were about god mm. i suppose and so um your dad is a bishop um when yeah. did he retired retire? but yeah he retired he's 88 so oh. uh Actually, as a bishop, you didn't. When he was made a bishop, you never really had to retire. You you could carry on until you oh. you know you were in the Otis. But <laughs> um, he stopped when he was sixty six. So he's been retired for twenty two years. So for you then, growing up, so obviously that's the when we talk about God, that's the God that you were kind of living amongst. Yeah. I guess yeah, it yeah. was that. And what did that look like then for you when you imagine God? What does God look like? I don't think he looks like anything, but he's a very sort of um, benevolent. There was no, he, there's no, uh, you know, kind of hellfire and brimstone and 
nastiness. It was a very enabling, sort of warm, sort of god. You mm. know, like the it's a sort of one show god. <laughs> Seven o'clock on a Monday evening. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just sort of very sort of yeah. warm and lovely and helpful. Not too threatening. Yeah, not not judgmental and not uh, nothing. Really. He was sort of aware he was there and sort mm. of kind of had the vague idea that he really wanted everybody, you know, to kind of be happy. Mm. But that he would never, you know, he wasn't going to shoot a lightning bolt down on your golf umbrella. He wasn't going to do that. And what about death? Because so, obviously we're about to kill you in a second to get you here. Do you think about no. death much? Do I think about mm. death much? Um, no, not really. <laughs> not really. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm sort of... I, I'm not scared of it particularly. So I don't, he doesn't sort of fill great acres of my brain sort of trying to avoid it or wondering what it'll be like particularly. Mm. But I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet, am I? I'm not... Well, hopefully not. Oh, okay. I so, am there because yeah. you're going to kill me. Well, I am going to kill you in a second. But so for you, that's perhaps something you'll start to think about more as you get older. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. So we are going to kill you. Uh, and to do that, we have to spin the spinning <clears throat> wheel of death. Oh. And there no, actually no, is, I know, there actually is, is a spinning the, wheel of death. Do you think that Apple Corporation will mind the spinning wheel of death that looks Thankfully, almost exactly like the spinning <laughs> beach ball? Thankfully, on an audio medium, they never know unless people tell them. So thank you. You've completely well, no, no, alerted no, that's them to fine, my but skin. I just kind of think if death is waiting for your computer to load, that... I think that's purgatory. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's purgatory, yeah. Okay, here we go. So what are you going to get? So there's some options scrolling around now in front of us. So you have got... You've landed on... Fell off a pedalo on Dining Street. Oh, okay. So uh, global warming has really kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it? The streets are flooded. The streets are flooded. The only way to Downing Street is on the pedalo. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I fell off it, and it must be pretty deep because no, I would have thought you could stand up probably if the water hadn't risen very high. Well, you're assuming it's a drowning. It might have been the fall itself into water, actually, mm. or or, or perhaps the, on the, the, the pedal. Yeah, somebody kept on pedaling. Yeah. So um, yes. I'm going to go back a step because I've forgotten something completely, which yeah. is. Hugh, before you can submit your questions to God, I need to fill out a bit of a profile. So, okay. just a few details. Your full name. Uh, my full name is Peter Hugh Dennis. How's Pete? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How's Pete? Which is what a Northern Irish man at the university used to say to me every morning. And your occupation? Uh, well, that's a very good question, isn't it? I'm a sort of a hybrid. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, half plugged in. I don't in. know what I am. I'm a kind of comedian, actor, writer, performer. Broadcaster, podcaster, person. <laughs> I like it if you don't answer that question. If you don't stop someone, they'll just keep going. They'll yeah, just eventually say and everything they are. That's how counselling works, isn't it? That's how yeah. therapy works. <laughs> yeah. And then I killed him. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and any notable achievements? Notable achievements? Mm. What In what sphere? In any, any sphere? Any of your spheres. Well, I've been in some quite sort of successful programmes, haven't I? And yeah. I have uh, very nice children mm. and uh, I have a very pleasant life and uh, I won a fourth form prize at school. What for? Just a general. General prize? Yeah, but it was embarrassing. This is the, uh, this is the embarrassing thing about it, is that my school, uh, which was in North London, the guy who came to give the prizes that... It was a kind of independent day school. And the guy who gave them to give the prizes when I won the fourth form prize was, it was a long time since he'd been prime minister, but it was Harold Wilson came oh, wow. to give the prizes. And um, 
I, Harold Wilson, an incredibly bright man. So he'd been the youngest professor at Oxford or something. He'd been the youngest prime minister since William Pitt or something. Um, and I didn't know that the game was that you should, you know, you got given a book token. You meant to go out and buy the cleverest book you could think of mm. to impress the guy who was giving you the prizes. Who, and all the parents who mm. would think, hey, look, he's been given a copy of the Iliad. Or you know the complete works of Shakespeare, so or whatever it was. So you got to choose, choose your book. Yeah, Ooh, you choose okay. your book, yeah. and you go to the bookshop and you buy an oh, incredible, that's a lot of pressure. incredibly bright yeah. book. Uh, but no one told me that. My parents didn't tell me that. My parents really didn't mind what I bought. So I allowed myself, at the age of fourteen, to be presented by Harold Wilson, brightest man you know in the world, with the Reader's Digest book of Home Improvement. <laughs> now, because. Because it had a section on bicycle maintenance <laughs> at the end. And I was upset. I lived in very boring suburban North London. And I was obsessed with my bicycle. It was sort of like, you know, I used to just sort of take it apart, put it back together as a way of filling in time. Yeah. Uh, and it had this section. I, I, he didn't, you know. I, and you would have thought I'd learned my lesson. But the next year I won the fifth form prize. And the... Um, Duke of Norfolk presented me with the AA Book of the Car. <laughs> Good, isn't that? Always been, always been quite proud of that. I love that. Just that. I like that you also probably, when you got it, suddenly thought, I should explain about the bike thing. How, excuse me, Prime yeah, Minister, I, I need to... Well, it was, there's, just, there's a bike thing in it. There's, no, I don't have time. Sorry. It was tempting, but then it's obviously a family thing, because when my uh, uh, own son was about 10, he won some, you know, sort of prize at junior school. And the book he chose... He chose it specifically because in a in a plastic dome on the front cover of it, you got a free whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you haven't warned him, by the way. I like that that lesson no. is that yeah, yeah, all no, through the generations matter. of your family now will just be that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What so, was that in answer to? I can't even remember. What oh, the notable achievements. Oh, notable yeah. achievements. Yeah. But it's okay because what I'll do is I'll tack it onto <clears> the end of the next bit because now I'll go. So maybe at Downing Street, have you ever been presented with a book there? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing Harold Wilson, mm -hmm. who was the Prime Minister in the 1960s, did give me a prize once. <laughs> there you go. That should fill in there. <laughs> yeah. Hugh. Yes. Let's get started with your first yeah. question. Why Why did you put everything in the same place? Why, oh, okay. why isn't that a bit of a mistake? And by everything, mm. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the centre of the three of, of three major religions, so yeah. uh, kind of Islam, Judaism and Christianity, are all within about, you know, a few miles of each other, aren't they, in the Middle East? And then under the Middle East, just to make that kind of, even more difficult place to live. He put the oil. Why did he do that? There's a whole world. If you'd put, you know, if you put the, you know, the center of Judaism in, you know, Toronto, and uh, Islam centered in Tierra del Fuego, Christianity, I don't know, Milton Keynes, somewhere <laughs> like that, and the oil. Where could the oil go? Sort of like in Africa somewhere. I don't think we'd have half the problems we had. I, I just don't. I don't think he thought it through. And I say he, but I I'm not at all sure. The, the Obviously, it's, you know, the cliche is it's a very complicated and complex situation in the Middle East. Your solution is just geography. You just think if we just kind of like, like sort of if we just separate everyone and everything. No, 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 not now. No, no oh, it's no, far okay. too late. I'm just okay. saying at the start. Yeah. 
was there no forethought? Could he not just have gone? Could God not just have gone? Look, it's a, I think I ought to keep these people apart, probably. And for you then, is the idea that in asking God that, so in taking that question to God, is the idea that somehow that was preventable? Yeah. Well, yeah, completely. You know, there's a whole globe out there. Hmm. Assuming he wanted lots of different bits, which I'm assuming he did, because, you know, all the, you know, I mean, lots of interesting things in hmm. the world, aren't you? Just put different bits in, you know, interesting bits in different places. That's all I'm saying. It's a very simple point. I can't make it much deeper. Um. <laughs> I'm going to try. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I guess for me, what's fascinated about that question is the idea that it's like as a parent, when you see your child fighting with someone else and you're, there's, a, there's two instincts. One is you either have to stick around and go, we're going to have to work this out. Or the other yeah. is you pack up the bag and you go. Yeah. And I guess what that question would point to an idea that a God would want us to kind of just go our separate ways and be disparate and separate from one another rather than a God who kind of wants humanity to stay together and work it out. Ah, oh, now interesting. You see, you have made that deeper and uh, fundamentally more difficult to answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I would, say, I would say as a parent, you would kind of make sure that everybody, if you had the space, mm. had their own bedroom. Yes. So as to avoid... But you'd still want to eat together. You might, you might want to, yeah, you might want to eat together, mm. come together sort of, you know, voluntarily downstairs. Mm. Mm. But you might give everyone their own television. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe I, not. I think it's interesting because, so my son is six and sort of at that age where, well, in that sort of season where parents still have to figure everything out or feel like we have to, especially kind of modern day parenting, we feel like we have to kind of fix everything or, or kind of helicopter in. But it's interesting when I see him get into those disputes with people that there are definitely two instincts as a dad. One is I want to take him out of there for his sake and everyone else's. But the second is I don't think life's like that. So as a grown up, yeah, sometimes I can walk out of the room or I can do that. But sometimes I'm in situations where I can't just get up and leave. I've got to work it out and make it. Kind yeah, of but work you have your us. own house. True. Don't yes. You? Yes. I can't always you go can, to my own yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> you go to your own house. But I guess that for me, there's that tension always of are we better. Is there something about sticking in it and trying to make it work that is more beneficial than just a kind of a vast separation? So when it comes to working out land or riches or religion, is there is there not a part of humanity that might be better if we stuck together rather than pulled apart? No, I absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. But I think you'd still have enough to work out, wouldn't you? If you, mm. if you were geographically yeah, that's true. separate. Yeah. And the fact that it hasn't really worked out, mm. and that we've been at it for a while. Mm. Mm. But I do agree. I mean, I think it is better if people can sit down and work stuff out. Mm. I think it's always better if people can sit down and, and work stuff out. Mm. And that's work. It has worked all over the place. But I think probably at the beginning, it was a bit bit silly to put everything there so is is religion is the kind of the is god a force for good or not um i think he, uh, yes i think probably god is a force for good yeah but the kind of the correct reading of it my um my one show god is uh, definitely a force for good. Your God's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might well, it's be interesting question. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Is whether it's the same God for everyone. You know, and I sort of, I, I kind of think that it probably is the same God for everyone. I don't think there are lots and lots of different uh, gods. But again, that in a way, that's sort of the way I was 
I was brought up. I just I've always thought of them as all religions as kind of a different version of the same thing. Which is interesting when you grow up with a dad who's a, a vicar and then a bishop. It's, yeah. it's to me because I'm fascinated by that because I guess for many people who <clears> hear that story of of that's the home you grew up in, the immediate kind of sense is well you'll either go with it or you rebel against it. But it seems like you didn't have to make that choice. No, because I was never I was never never forced into it. So the mm. school I went to, uh, and it was in North London, and it I went there because I actually because I failed the exam to get into the school that my brother was at. Mm. So it wasn't a deliberate choice of my parents to send me to a a kind of an atheist school, but that's what it was. Mm. It was the, so University College London, UCL in London, was set up uh, as the, it, its kind of nickname is the godless uh, institution of Gower Street mm. because it didn't have any of that stuff when mm. it was set up. And this was the feeder school to it, so it's called University College School. Um, but actually, it, was, it, it so there was no religious education, no religious assemblies or, or anything. And it was at that point uh, 50% Jewish by virtue of, of where it was. Mm. Um, and I think by virtue of that, I never really made any distinction between, you know, you could kind of see, you know, people living good lives, people, you know, being quite religious, but mm. adhering to different religions and thinking, well, I'm not, I, I don't feel any different. Mm to you, but you don't believe in the thing which Christianity believes in. So I, I sort of think it's a sort of a common, there's a sort of common bed to it all, is, mm. the, way it, is the way it works in my head. And, it, and again, it's never really occurred to me that when, when I had kids and we were choosing godparents, um, I think three of the four godparents are Jewish. And I didn't, <laughs> didn't occur to me that anybody mm. would go, that's a bit strange. Mm. Although it is, <laughs> it's clearly strange, isn't it? Because you're getting, uh, you know, in normal Church of England, you can be baptised, but actually you're being christened, mm. and your godparents are people who don't actually believe in that aspect of mm. of mm. your religion. Mm. So there was a slightly weird. They again, it didn't even occur to me that, you know, one of the godparents went, "Well, I, I don't think I can actually say that." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Okay, I'll ask my dad. Yeah, yeah. Dad, would, it, do you, would you mind if that bit wasn't said? Well, no, that's fine. That's You know, just to find your own version yeah. of that kind of thing. Because actually the important thing is that you sort of support the kids, isn't it? Yes. And it, it definitely, it's really fascinating because, again, one of the things that people of faith often have is this, how much of what you believe in do you then impress upon your children or, or bring your children up? And it, it sounds like you had a really... You had the ability to ask questions and make up your own mind. I think my parents were very, very keen that you make up your own mind. And in fact, my whole upbringing was about going, oh, wait a minute. Mm. And also there's that thing about, you know, if you, um, you know, there have been points, where, you know, as a comedian, you make jokes about religion, don't mm. you? And I remember having a conversation with my dad about that and going, you know, does that matter? Do you, do you mind? And he, he said, he went, well, you know, if you if you actually believe in God, right, and you believe in you know if he's all powerful in whatever sense, and you know you've kind of got to think he can take care of himself. I don't think he's going to mind too much about you or anyone doing that. Do you? I mean, just, it just doesn't seem to be much point in believing in an all powerful God if you can't just go, oh, that's fine. 
Yeah, an all-powerful God who can't take a joke is probably not someone you'd want to hang around with. No. So you ask God this question about why is everything in the same place? Yeah. Do you think there'd be an answer? Um, well, I'd like to think it's because he just he ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> just got to the end, went that there, just that there. Out. It's a Friday, you know, on yeah. Saturday night. No, I've got to have some downtime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Hugh, your second question. Well, my second question is um, because it's a question that is always asked in interviews, and I think always think of it as a kind of lazy question, hmm. is who would you invite to your ideal dinner party? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I think for most people, you know, you're forced to say, I would invite Napoleon, Attila the Hun, Florence Nightingale, yeah. and um, the bloke who runs Money Supermarket <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> because they would just get on really well, mm, wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah. And I always think that's it's such a terrible question. I quite like to see what God would, would say. Because so he's got quite a lot of choice, I think. Yeah, he does. That's true. Yeah, yeah. All of time. The whole of time. But it, all, it doesn't seem on. that he has dinner, which, again, I'm oh, not... interesting. But I would have thought, and, and this is kind of philosophically where, where I think this goes, I think if I was asked that question, I would say, actually, I don't want, I don't want to have dinner with Genghis Khan, uh, Winston Churchill and one of the Bee Gees. <laughs> I want to have dinner <laughs> um, with my mates. Mm. Because, actually, it would be terrible. If you, you know, 
Genghis Khan in a room with anyone would be awful, <laughs> and he's not going to answer. He's not going to come up with interesting, witty anecdotes. He's not a kind of. You know, Stephen Fry gets on all those lists. And he actually, does. I would love to have Stephen Fry to to, to dinner. It'd be great, but. Generally, I think I just want to go, well, I would have, um, probably have, you know, my, my children, mm. um, my oldest mate, mm. <laughs> you know, all your friends. You mm. sort of get you and they're not bothered about whether you've burnt the lasagna mm. kind of thing. Yeah, and you're not tr- thinking, I must ask you about what life was like on St. Helena. Yes, yeah. What was it like? Were you poisoned by your own wallpaper? He's not going to, one, he's not going to know. <laughs> And is th- that's not. In- how did you feel after the Battle of Austerlitz? Well, what, what, why is that interesting? Also, it's like I mean, we. I remember last series, David Morgan uh, was talking about uh, God, and, and someone saying um, the worst thing that can happen as a comedian is you tell someone you're a comedian, they go tell us a joke then, oh. and the idea that you'd create this dinner party of people you don't know because all you want to do is ask them the most annoying questions in the world. Yeah, it's sort of torturous, uh, isn't it? Oh no, it's absolutely. I, I can't think why. It's also the idea of, he assumes you like dinner parties. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have a dinner party. What do you mean? Do dinner parties even exist anymore? Oh, I don't know. When I lived in the country, I lived in the, um, down in the South Downs for a long time, sort of in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And there was a distinction there, which I've always found very amusing, between a dinner party, which was a very formal kind of, you know, you had to make, souffle and uh, lobster thermidor kind of you know and have a selection of fine wines mm. that was a dinner party and a thing which was termed kitchen supper oh and you would invite people to kitchen supper yeah which again assumes you have a kitchen big enough and actually most people did to be honest uh within which you could and that's much less formal yeah kitchen supper let's just turn up in a pair of jeans Oh, that same sounds so, more same my, sort of people. Yeah, that's my kind of thing. Because the other problem with those things is it, the pressure ends up being about you'd end up missing it anyway. Like yeah, you'd be you, in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, right. You'd be like missing the yeah. whole thing because you'd be yeah. so busy trying to make sure you didn't burn Genghis Khan's yeah, you know, going, baguettes. Yeah. 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 So what did Abraham Lincoln say about being uh, shot in the thing? I'm sorry, I was doing the washing up. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, people come, yeah, tell us all about this. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I missed, yeah, it. No, sorry, yeah, I missed yeah, all that, that stuff. That coffee won't make itself, you know. It's got to be done. the whole thing of General MacArthur. I, I, missed, I missed it. You've been, you've been well-known. You've been famous for a yeah. very long time. So people would know you all the way back from Hunt and Dennis. People know yeah. you from Mock the Week. Younger people would know you from Outnumbered. There's this whole... Do you realise that's actually because I haven't changed <laughs> physically <laughs> at all? Just sort of ageless, timeless. Ageless, yeah. You're timeless. Yeah. Um, but, but for you then, that means that you've been around this industry for a very long time. Yeah. But when it came to your dinner party, it was your children, your oldest yeah. friend, people you care about. Have you ever found that you fitted into the industry or for you, are you do you prefer life outside of it? Uh, I kind of like both, actually. Mm. I mean, you know, however much I slag off the idea of dinner party, it is, great. it is a kind of great industry to be in because you do meet incredibly interesting people. Mm. And that isn't, um, that isn't necessarily other comedians or actors mm. or whatever. But mm. you, you kind of, you know, because I do a show for Radio 4, so mm. you, um, about the week's news, I have met politicians. I've mm. met all sorts of people from... You know, different spheres actually, mm. who are much more interesting. <laughs> mm. You know, but but I do think it is very important in in all of it um, to have a life outside, isn't it? Mm. 
you know, for, to be remembered even by the next generation, mm. you uh, you kind of have to be Joseph Stalin or someone, actually, don't mm. you? You have to have mm. done something so sort of enormous. And, mm. and you think, well, then don't ever have that as a name. Mm. Don't worry about, you know, so you kind of go with, with what you're given kind of thing. Mm. But actually, the only people really who uh, you matter to and... Uh, it's sort of not really who matter to you, but you know what I mean. Mm. Are, are mm. your family, aren't they, mm. and your friends? So I, I, I think that a lot of the industry is sort of just sort of fluff, isn't it? Mm. But actually, the the key bits are your are your family and mates and the, mm. and the life outside it. Mm. And is that then? Is that always been the case for you then? So from the moment you go into comedy full time, right to now, you've always held that balance of this is great and I love it and it's a privilege to be here. But actually, reality is is home is somewhere else is outside of that. Well, I think the reality is actually it's a job, isn't it? Mm. You know, it, it is uh, show business is a sort of business, and mm. you can you it's like everything. So, so I um, Robert Peston set up this thing called Speakers for Schools, which is a really good thing mm. actually, where you he gets loads of people from all sorts of walks of life, and you go into uh, schools and you talk about how you got where you got to or you know opportunity how they might get there kind of thing and the thing which I always major on actually is um because I think it's I think it's really important for this generation it's just to go don't you know fame of itself should not be a name there's no point mm. in being famous so be well known or be eminent or be something but but do something mm. You know, um, and that's sort of that is kind of how I've felt about it. And I also have felt that, you know, there is a sort of there is a sort of talent bar that you have to be above, probably. Mm. But after that, there's a lot of right place, mm. right time, mm. and and you're not, you know, if you kind of go through life thinking only I could have done that, mm. <laughs> it's it's wrong, isn't mm. it? There are lots of people who could mm. have done it. And uh, it would have been different, but it probably would have been, you know, as good, mm. just, you know, yeah, just different. And 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 therefore you kind of have to sort of be grateful for what you've managed to do in the positions you found yourself in mm. rather than thinking, I have this God-given talent which is unstoppable. Mm. I don't even have to answer the question. I feel slightly sorry for God on this one because you get the feeling that if God has to have a dinner party, then... Sort of everyone has to be invited, right? Well, I, I imagine he has to invite everyone, then hope only a few people reply. <laughs> Never ever remind them. So, Hugh, yeah, you've got one more question left. Yeah, what is it? It is. Um, well, I just wonder. I, I just want to ask God if he has any downtime and oh. what he would do. Because I mean, he. he Interestingly, in the creation of the world, he did give himself downtime, mm -hmm. didn't he? he? He kind of had a, introduced the first working time directive. So, we're, so this we're it, was only, about, it was yeah. only a day. So we're talking about Genesis here. So in that Genesis story, six days of creating, one day of rest. Yeah. And what did he do on the what did he do on the seventh day? Where did he go? Started a podcast. He might have started a podcast. <laughs> he might have hoped that there was some football on. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I mean, did it? Was he creating things to give himself stuff to do on the? On the seventh day, and does he now have? Does he take a day off? Does he? Does someone work in, you know, his place? Mm. Who comes in on the on the seventh day? I'm just and again caretaker. caretaker does he God. a caretaker? Mm. God, you know, just for the day, mm. or does he have an emergency uh, helpline? 
Oh, yeah, on call, like a buzzer. Is he on call? Yeah, 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 pager. He has a pager. Proper old school. Yeah, so, well, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It's interesting. That's Florence Nightingale and Genghis Khan. They've been arguing. <laughs> <laughs> At a dinner party, not good on well and one, and Genghis Khan has chopped Florence Nightingale's head off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Genghis Khan has chopped Florence Nightingale's head off is a new uh, new peak for this podcast. Yeah. That's one that will uh, definitely yeah. stay in. Um, it's interesting in that creation story that the idea that there's a there is a rest that rest is kind of somehow baked into everything. But we're not very good at that, are we? Are you good at resting? Um, I'm not good at doing nothing, but I'm good. I am good at doing things other than work. The only way I can really relax is by doing stuff. But and and so I, you know, I'll build something or watch something or go and play football or watch football yeah. or um, talk about football or whatever it is. But I just need to be doing something. So stopping and resting is not something that you would say is kind of baked into your week. Uh, no, the idea the idea of retiring fills me with a certain sort of uh, horror. Oh, really? Unless it's the kind of retiring where you go, I'm now going to walk all of the Munros mm. in Scotland. You know, I could deal with that kind of retirement. Mm. But I don't think I could... Uh, I can't sit about. Where does that come from? Has Fine. it always been the case? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've sat for too long. Yeah. <laughs> Has that always been the case? Is that something you can look back and say, you've always been like that? You've never been someone who could stop or take a rest? Yeah, I think so. Probably. And I think it's probably quite maddening, actually. Mm. Because it's uh, my mother's the same actually, mm. so she never she never, I, it, I've never ever seen my mother sit down to eat breakfast. Really? No, it's very strange. That's really interesting that that's the example mm. you give as well. Mm. Like that's the thing that obviously sticks in your mind. Yeah, but also she would never ever, um, you know, if something's on the telly that we all wanted to watch at sort of like nine o'clock or something. Mm. She would never make it for the start of the programme. It was sort of every time. Mm. We'd go, Mum, Mum, there, you know, whatever it is. Poldark, original one, mm. not mm. the current one. Poldark's on. And she would go, just be there in a minute, just doing this. Right. Go, no, it's starting. Yes, no, just coming. Just going to fold the ironing. Yeah, no, Mum, it's starting. Yeah, coming, coming. And then she would walk in five minutes late and go, what if I missed? Oh, and, and you can pause it. To, no Sky no, Plus. No, no, and then you yeah. have to explain... You know, what would happen in the first five yeah. minutes? Thereby missing the next minute. Yes, so. yeah, with no one to explain it. No. You'd, what you needed was like a relay. You needed yeah. a relay of televisions yeah. around the house. So you could just send your mum from room yeah. to room picking it up. Yeah. Um, have you tried? Have you tried stopping? Have you tried Have you tried those things? Like, I, a lot of people try meditation or things like that. Do, have you tried any of those things? Um, no, because I don't necessarily think it's, uh, it's, not, it doesn't, it's not a massive issue actually for me if you see what I mean I don't t I don't take it to extremes I can't, it isn't that I can't go, you know I've got to leave now I've got to go I can't bear this mm. I'll happily sit and talk mm. and chat mm. but after a bit I just have to go and do something I think of myself actually weirdly as quite mindful mindful but not in a kind of sedentary or stopping yeah. way so while you, whilst you're doing something yeah, so if, you know, I will go for lots of walks, for example. Okay. And I will go, you know, what a beautiful sky. What a So I did a lot of long-distance cycling at one point. This is mm. kind of interesting thing. So I did, uh, you know, and I did uh, an open stage of the Tour de France mm. and all that kind of stuff, which I think was a kind of a midlife crisis crushed into two hours. <laughs> Twelve hours, actually, to me, cycling. 
But during that cycle, right, you get lots of uh, you get lots of kind of middle aged men in lycra mm. zooming, you know, round the bends and kind of going, I've got to do it in nine hours forward. My my look at my Strava, my thing. It's, this is my fastest time ever. And you get a lot of them on the on the cycle superhighway, which mm. goes along the embankment. Mm. Middle aged men racing effectively. And when I do a lot of cycling, but I go, oh, what a beautiful hill. <laughs> and, oh, look at the colours there. You know, so it's sort of, I'm, not, I'm not ever kind of going, no, I've got to be, got to be, got to be, mm. do this. I'm just going, I'm doing something, mm. but I'm sort of thinking mm. in a gentle kind of way. Because I guess you said right at the start that you're good at not working, which in, in an industry like the one you're in, that can often be difficult to find because if you're not working, will the phone ring again? Yeah. Will the next thing come along? Mm. Did you find that out early that you needed to stop and put in those places to not work? Or is that something you've learned as you've got older? Um, I don't think any performer is ever entirely happy, actually. I mean, you, you have the paranoia of the self-employed, don't you? Mm. Whereby, you know, you should be enjoying it and going, mm. oh, this is great. Mm. And inside you're going, oh, no, mm. this is the last thing I'll ever do. Mm. I will ever do. Um, I think I've got, I think I've probably got better at it over the years. Mm. But I've never actually, so far, never had a really long period of, mm. you know, thinking, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, mm. nothing's happening. Mm. And uh, I'm very lucky. I would say, actually, that my my philosophy in life, I think, is based on something that Steve Punt wrote. Years and years ago, which I've always loved saying he wrote, because I've always thought that's exactly right. And he 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 wrote this joke, which went, "He who laughs last laughs longest." But I would be happy to laugh penultimately and for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of it, really, isn't it? I'm not mm. too bothered about being at the front mm. or kind of going, you know, or having the last say or mm. any of that kind of stuff mm. um, I just sort of be, want to be somewhere in the mix mm. Hugh thank you so much for being on the podcast well you're welcome it's been a huge pleasure thank you so much yeah. for, for joining us um, it's almost time to return you to the land of the living but before I do there is one more thing uh, we ask which is what is do a donation of some sort? Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. If you could I haven't got any cash No, that's okay. Me, you can free. support me on Patreon and I do take contactless. Um, the one thing I need to know is, is there anything you think God would ask you? Uh, he, well, he might go, hang on. What I, I've always said that on my uh, gravestone, if I ever had a, a gravestone, which I don't think I will have, but anyway, if I did, on it, I would put, uh, here lies the body of, um, oh, you know, he was in that thing. Uh, oh, what was it? He was in that thing with the kids, wasn't he? Oh, what was his name? Hugh. Hugh. Anyway, that's what that's what I think my gravestone uh, would say. So I'm kind of uh, hoping that God might ask me who I was. Brilliant. Yeah, love that. Uh, well, that's it for this episode. Um, the good news is that the injury wasn't fatal. You didn't drown, and actually, the Downing Street cat is trained in CPR. So oh, was, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cats hate water, though, don't they? I know. Well, famously, is like a cat and another peddler. Yeah, huge fan of rescue... bag though. Huge yeah, fan of free bag too. So. <laughs> the rescue peddler. Yeah. So uh, they got you. Yeah. Uh, they were able to rescue and bring you back to life. Oh, perfect. Thanks again for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me and listening to my rambling nonsense for 
How long does it last, this podcast? Well, normally 25 minutes, but this could be about an hour and a quarter. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. 25 minutes. Yeah. Beautiful. That's it for this one. I'll be back next time to kill off another guest and find out what they want to know on God Only Knows. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 